All from one family on stage. Their first gig, The Cars. It didn't go in that we could actually be meeting our producer or that this could be a major record deal for us. If you feel the emotion in every song, you give across the emotion of the song. You have been a wonderful audience and we will remember this. We will be back. When you're put in a situation where you have to perform, where you have to deliver, no matter what, something happens. That's why we're doing it. We're doing it because we love it. Hi, this is Mark Gerard. I am the director on the music video, Forgiven Not Forgotten. And you're listening to Coorscast. Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of Coorscast. Episode 10 of Coorscast also coincides with a year of the show being active. Thank you so much for those that have reached out with such warm greetings and messages and support and reviews. I appreciate it so much. And it's really wonderful to now be able to celebrate a year of episodes for the show. And in part, this is certainly thanks to those that are listening. So again, a huge thank you. And here's to the next year. Thank you for such an incredible response to the last episode. It had the usual listenership of six weeks in six days. And that really gives us a good idea and indication of how the show is growing and the type of content that the fan base is responding to. So again, thank you so much. It was a world first to be able to hear anything of that unreleased track. Um, And fear not, there is similar to come. Um, I'm currently scripting and recording something incredibly special. So do continue to watch this space. In this episode, we're taking a sidestep from the music itself again to discuss the promotion of the title track, namely the music video for Forgiven Not Forgotten. Being the second single to release from the album, and as of the recording of this episode, reaching over 1.7 million views on YouTube, who better to discuss this iconic video than the director himself, Mark Gerard? As I'm sure you've come accustomed to now, I began our interview by asking Mark how he came to be in the position of being asked to direct a music video for the band. Enjoy. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. It's really you cool bet. Um, you bet. to take part in this, especially regarding the video side of the promotion of the album. Um, I'd love to begin our time together by asking about your background and what happened in your career prior to you meeting the cause. Tell me a bit about how you got to where you were. Right. So um, I started working as a DP shooting music videos in, uh, it was the late 80s and um, was doing a lot of shooting like hair metal bands and you know, doing, doing that sort of work. And, um, and then literally, I think it, it was right at the end of 89, beginning of 90, the whole music scene just flipped mm-hmm. and suddenly hair metal was just like fell off a cliff. Nobody, like it just, nobody was listening to it anymore. I mean, like it, it happened instantly. Wow. And, um, and what took over at that time was hip hop. Yeah. And so I shot at, at that point, I was transitioning to uh, directing music videos. And so one of the very first videos I did was for, nwa and um it was for the for the song always into something for nwa 
And then I did a second one for them, which was ended up being their last video together as a group was um, Appetite for Destruction. And so because it was NWA, I sort of fell into this, um, kind of got pigeonholed as a hip hop director. Mm. And so it was, you know, going on five years after that, um, I was trying to sort of break sort of open up my horizons, I would, I would say. And um, I can't remember what the exact path to, you know, um, my being up for uh, consideration to do the cores, but somehow it happened. And, um, and then, you know, we ended up uh, doing Forgiven, Not Forgotten. And that's sort of how I got to that place, you know, after having shot a bunch of uh, hip hop videos. To your memory, is Forgiven Not Forgotten the first of that branching out? Or had you done like maybe one or two prior to that? And maybe that's why you were on the horizon? I'm trying to think, because right around that same time I did Everclear. Um, and I can't remember if I did Everclear first or the cores first. It was, there were a few videos right around that time. You know, it's like, I'd have to pull up my resume. I was looking at your resume uh, a little and I, yeah, I, I saw how much hip hop there was and I was like, wow, that's, that's an interesting choice. Right. They, you know, I, I, I literally was pigeonholed as a, as a gangster rap director. There was, there was a lot of stuff I went up for, you know, rock or just contemporary pop music and stuff. And I would, you know, people would see my reel. I would send them a reel and it would, <laughs> it would be a bunch of, a bunch of rappers running around, you know, doing wild stuff, and uh, and people would just yeah, a little a little contrast from yeah, yeah, pop kind Irish yeah. pop uh, folk kind of connection. There's definitely um, yeah, a little little different. Because <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I probably did I don't know seventy to eighty music videos, and it was the thing that comes to mind that was right around that time was lit. Cause I did those around the same time, you know, and I did Queen Latifah as well. And, you know, there was just some, there was like a little bit of overlap on some of the hip hop, like Queen Latifah is an example. I think I might've done her before they did the chorus, but again, it's around the same time. And I was kind of doing a little more R and B at that time. Um, but because, you know, that genre had become so mainstream, it was, you know, as big as, as pop music at that point yeah. you know i mean it had made a huge ascension um into the mainstream so i think that's where the crossover you know happened um where you know the chorus were considered uh someone with my resume for their for their work um and i had done a lot of work for atlantic records you know and that's that's who the that's who the label was at least on the video side definitely yeah, that makes yeah. sense then. That makes sense. It's somebody yeah. already on their roster. You've you've worked with Atlantic, you're trustable. Okay, let's let's see what happens here. That you know, this is David Foster's first band album with Lava and One Four Three. And yeah, let's 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 see what Mark can do with this, I guess. Which is Yeah, fun. yeah. It's that, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, everybody that's listening has has seen the video. We we know the video. How did the idea and the project of the video come about? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the idea was they wanted to do a performance video. So it wasn't going to be a, you know, there wasn't going to be a story to go into, you know, what does it mean forgiven, not forgotten? You know, it's like some memory that, what is that scene? You know, we don't, they didn't want to go there. 
you know, um, to do like a breakdown of story and stuff like that. So, you know, the idea I came up with, it was just sort of, it was uh, kind of just a, a visual abstraction of a sort of mysterious dark interior that would be the performance space. And then it would just seamlessly transition to these, these sort of abstract seasonal um, mm. landscapes kind of representing stages of memory or something, you know, different, nice. different sort of environments. Um, and then it would see, it would segue back to the interior location and then segue back out to that. And it just would provide like a changing, you know, sort of evolving visual environment for the performance to play out. And so that was kind of what the idea was. And, you know, we basically had a great uh, production designer, this guy, Bill Eigenbrot, who had done a bunch of work with me and he, you know, we came up with this idea of sort of an octagon, sort of a circular room and, you know, an octagon room. And then the floor was uh, a giant motorized turntable. So the, the room itself was stationary, but the whole interior space was spinning. Mm -hmm. And that's where they were, you know, that's where the performance played out. Um, and which gave us those sweeping sort of moves around them while they were performing and stuff. So yeah, and that was that was essentially it. And then they were great. You know, they were just they just they were on that turntable for I forget how long we shot 12, 14 hours or something, you know, just spinning all day long. So it was like there was a I think they, you know, we all sort of had little sea legs, you know, at the end of the day, because you're just, you know, you're constantly moving. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. But they were great, yeah. I've heard reports and read interviews that yeah, they felt by the end of the day, they had sea legs and felt more than queasy. Oh, did they talk? I didn't know. I didn't know that we talked about it then, but I, I didn't know that came up in interviews. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, it's it's obvious. Obviously, that turn is 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 happening to make that that effect. And so I think they would have been asked by interviewers and stuff at the time, like, what was that? What was that like? And I think the perception was that, yeah, it would have taken, uh, uh -huh. taken, a, taken a day. You're not going to shoot that in three minutes and you're done. So, right. right. Yeah. But, you know, I had this idea for this circular room and, um, and I was, it's funny because I was playing around with the giant turntables, the motorized turntables on several other videos that I was doing at that time, uh, doing different ideas with that, you know, but, um, the, but this was the first one I had done where um, it was, you know, the entire interior space uh, was in motion like that. Mm. So it was fun. It was fun. And they were, you know, and they were, they were, they were true, uh, you know, they were champs. I mean, they just, they just, they kept going without, you know, no problems. I mean, it was really fun. It's like, this is our, this is our music video. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. they were great. They were great. Obviously Atlantic, got in touch hi we're, we're doing a video did you then have a period of time where you listened to the track and then had to present them like a storyboard or yeah they, you know the standard approach um with the video thing was you know they would contact me they'd send the track they'd say we're interested in hearing a concept from you and then basically you listen to the track and you, you know come up with an idea and you you write it up usually there were like one or two pages you know Sometimes they would have parameters, like in this case, they did want it to be a performance video. So that's sort of where the, that's kind of what the foundation was for the idea. You know, in this case, it was, it was basically like I had the idea and I pitched it and they were like, great, let's do it. Yeah. You know. And from being asked to do it to actually filming, have you any idea of how long that period was? The, the schedule on videos was always really pretty fast. 
you know, from the point that they would be, they would be asking for submissions to, you know, awarding uh, the gig to shooting. They could, you know, sometimes it was within like a week or days even. And sometimes it might be two weeks, three weeks on the outside, you know, it was, it was, it was a pretty rapid process. And then, you know, like in this case, you know, typically a lot of videos were shot in one day and shooting one day and then you have basically a, a week or mm. sometimes two, if you were lucky to do the post. Wow. And, and it was done, you know, so you went, it was pretty, pretty high pace when it would happen, you know, once you'd get the green light. And then having to dump that out of your mind and then be fresh for the next assignment is, yeah, that's a, that's a skill set. Oh yeah. Well, that's what was so fun about it. I mean, there was some, it was like a lot of creative freedom and, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of creative collaboration would go on. And I mean, it was just a, it was a great flow at that time. Mm. Mm. It was. Do you have access to any of that brief from Atlantic still? Do you have it in your records anywhere or anything like that? You know, I actually, it's funny. I actually have, I have my production book from back in the day. I looked through here because I was just curious to see what was kept. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately there's, it's just, uh, it's crew info and it's, it's more like this than nuts and bolts, the actual set layout. This was, the idea was, um, these, these walls would, were hinged. So they would open. That's it. Yeah. And this was, there was a green screen out here. So, that, you know, we'd have the, the grips would actually like be moving the walls open and close, you know, and that's how we did those transitions. What was, what was the budget for the video? All right. I don't remember. I have to look here and see if it's listed. Oh, there it is. It was 93,000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, budgets, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Cause I, it, I think it would be hard to, you know, find a, young group or young artists that would be spending that kind of money these days on videos. You know, it's, um, there were, there's so many factors that were different because like this was shot on film. Yeah. And so it was all, you know, the film expense alone, I think was almost $5,000. Wow. And then um, on top of that, post-production on this was uh, almost 15,000. So it was like, you know, a good 20% of the budget yeah. was just on film processing post digital you know <laughs> taking it wow. taking it to videotape and, and whatnot i mean it wasn't even digital then it was videotape yeah you know? yeah Analog so stuff. it was um yeah i mean it was it was different in that sense and it was also you know i mean it's like budgets budgets for music videos in the 90s were year over year they just would go up and up and up and up which was you know the labels would split the cost with with acts but you know a lot of times I mean, it was, you know, it was recoupable, you know? Mm. And so, I mean, it, it was, it was like, a, it was a tax, you know, it was like a tax on the artists for promoting their work, you know, one of those, one of those costs that was kind of necessary back then yeah. to, uh, to get out in the world. Yeah. To get anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and now it's just, it's just a whole different game. I mean, um, you know, people are making videos from next to nothing and sometimes they're, sometimes they're really good. You know, it's like sometimes people come up with great ideas and they, they execute flawlessly and you're just blown away by what they make stuff for, you know. Um, but, you know, a big part of that, too, is it's just in the digital realm. It's, you know, yeah. as long as you have a camera and maybe a few lights, you know, if you're digital, you can you can shoot for free, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and back in those days, I mean, just film cost. I mean, film cost now, if you were shooting a film, it'd be just ridiculous, you know. Yeah. It would look beautiful, but it would be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
wishing her life goodbye as she goes searching for the man long forgiven but not forgotten you're forgiven not forgotten you're forgiven not forgotten you're You're not forgotten. No, you're not forgotten. I'm wondering if I can bring you back to the day itself and uh -huh. you meeting the band for the first time. Can you remember that moment and how that went down? Yeah, I would, I, you know, I think it was basically we were, I was on set and they, they arrived at the stage, you know, and, you know, it was, because we were shooting in one day, you know, we basically had like five minutes to say hello and get introduced. And then they had to rush off into, you know, hair, makeup and wardrobe. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're feverish, feverishly finishing the set build and lighting and getting the setup ready. And then they would come, I mean, like it, it would just, it all happened really fast. You know, I mean, they, they arrived at the stage and, uh, you know, we basically said hello, and um, and then they were in the hair, makeup, and wardrobe. You know, gone, get and, done. Uh, and then they, you know, I think we probably walked through the set. I think before they did, before they went in, but um, you know, just so they had the idea. I think in my mind, I have a, a vision of I don't know if the, all all of the band, and then somebody going right, hit hit the switch. This is what the revolving stage feels like. Is that okay for you and stuff like that. Oh yeah, there was probably, I'm sure we did like a, just a, you know, we turned it on just so they could feel it. Yeah. And then, you know, went around and, but it wasn't, you know, I think the startup was, it had a gradual ramp, you know, so it wasn't like it just would go and it would almost fall over or anything. I mean, you, it could, but the way, you know, it's like, it would have a gradual ramp up. So it wasn't like a, an unsettling beginning and end to each take. <laughs> Especially holding instruments and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, because the, the kind of the effect, the visual effects used make it look, I think, probably faster than than it than it than it probably was on the day. I don't know. Yeah, because I you know, I had to go I had to shoot all those back plates. And so that's not stock, it's actually footage no I shot for the video. I went out to Joshua Tree and shot some of the back plates and I went up into the San Gabriel Mountains to shoot the snow and yeah, it was a lot of a lot of pre-production shooting those. And did you do that specifically with this in mind? Very specifically for this video. Yeah, yeah. Do you still have any of that? Are there any of those plates? I have all of the masters of all of my work, but they're all. It, it's interesting. Like there's there was formats were changing year to year back then. So I have like D ones and D twos and Digibetas and you know, all these like master formats. Um, and about 20 years ago, I transferred 
I transferred everything over. I digitized everything. And I know I still had, I still have those background plates on tape. I'm not sure if I transferred them when I yeah. did those, did the, all my master transfers to digitize, you know, they're all setups where it's, it's literally like there's nobody in the frame and it's yeah. just in the middle of nowhere, you know, and I'm, I'm basically, it's just me with the camera and I'm just panning 360 in the environment uh, to get that sort of yeah. kind of revolving space. And the whole idea was, you know, it's, it's those moving backgrounds that are complemented by their, the foreground movement on them yeah. on the turntable. You know, that was the whole, so the two were married yeah. that way. Worked seamlessly. It's beautiful, yeah. especially when you get sort of like the crescendo of the chorus and then it, that they would they would have run as would have opening the sides and and it just the pan matching and just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it worked really really effectively thank um, you thank you that was fun to do that was fun and i thought you know i mean of course you know they you know andrew and Carolyn and sharon and Jim, they all look great you know but i thought you know they just i thought they looked beautiful and you know with the light and the contrast with the background and everything so yeah it's, it's iconic it's iconic and, and definitely a, a fan favorite Oh, that's cool. That's great. That's great to hear. What camera did you shoot the uh, the panning pre-production stuff on then? It was an Ariasr. Oh. I had an Ariasr two. I had a I had my own camera package back then, and that's how you know I was kind of able to do all the because the locations literally it was like I was I one day I drove up into the San Gabriel Mountains to shoot the snow, and um, you know the next day I drove out to Joshua Tree, you know to shoot the to shoot those backgrounds and the other there was other forest stuff i think i might have shot that up in san gabriel mountains as well on uh, the other forest footage i was kind of driving all around southern california just <laughs> you know finding nice locations that sort of had that feeling of a seasonal shift you know it's it's interesting because speaking to uh guzman connie and russell who did the photography for the album shoot the thematically they went with seasons as well Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And, and neither did I until I interviewed them. I couldn't tell that from the photography, um, but there was a lot of outtakes. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, and they scan the negs and it, some of the outtakes do kind of highlight it a bit more obviously. Um, but now they've kind of shown me the, their thought behind the thematic for the album shoot, and which were then was used for some of the singles as well. It kind of makes sense. So it's interesting that you went there as well. Well, it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting. It's like tap, we all, we were tapping into the same zeitgeist or something. I, di I didn't know that. That's fascinating. And that might possibly be why Atlantic or the band themselves then went, yeah, that, that's a vibe that we've, we've used before. Let's continue that with our, with our, with our video shoot, right? So maybe. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't remember, like, I don't remember us having that conversation where it was like, you know, there was a, a sense of cohesion with something that was being done. You know, I think it was. It was definitely something if they were if they had set that up because they would have shot that before I did anyway and I did not know that you know it's it's just kind of fascinating. We are you solely responsible for all the editing? Because I was working with an editor back then and it might have been Mike Schultz who cut that one. He had worked on all of my hip hop stuff. He started with me on NWA and brilliant brilliant editor Michael Schultz. You know, it's not in the production list, but I think he was, I'm pretty sure it was Mike, Michael, who was on that one. It's funny too, because back then it was like, um, that was just on the verge of um, when Avid was just beginning to become a viable editing 
NLE format, you know, to work with. And I, I think that was one of the, theirs was one of the first projects I did on, on Avid as well for the, for the offline, you know, the, 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 the editing, the quality of the video back then was, uh, was pretty rough, you know, for, for digital editing. Yeah. And so you would have to go to a post house to do all the tape to tape high res, more, more high res format. You know, we were still at five to five resolution back then. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, and it's so funny, like looking, I, I, I just pulled up, um, I hadn't seen the version that's online. And because we were in the four, uh, three format back in the nineties, um, you know, they, they blow that up and and they blow it up and and it, it, so they have to kind of like make it fill the yeah the sixteen by nine format now and in doing so you know it takes a takes a fairly low res image and it degrades it a little bit more you know so the stuff looks it looks you know kind of soft it's like a, you know and I go God it's just amazing because back then you know we were looking at the screens in the post house and it was like oh my God it looks great it's so like so clear and sharp and now no it's like you know compared to today's you know high-res formats it's yeah it's pretty it looks pretty primitive you know when i talk about digitizing all my videos you know it's basically the finals the, the, all the raw footage you know once we would be done with the edit the film would you know boxes and boxes of film and also the master videotape dailies which would be everything those went back to the label. Yeah, yeah. And back then, I seriously doubt a lot of the labels even kept some of that stuff. I think they probably trashed it all. Um, after a few years, you know, they probably got rid of it, which is which is sad because I mean, I think about some of the background footage that I shot on a lot of stuff I did. I think, God damn! I mean, it's amazing that that stuff was probably just trashed. You know, I mean, it's with the labels, with all of the, the sort of upheaval that happened around, you know, the early aughts, you mm -hmm. know, that and Napster almost taking everybody down. I mean, just everything just kind of like just, you know, so much upheaval. It's just hard to imagine what what survived that period, you know, because so many places downscaled and locations and offices and stuff. And who knows? I mean, I know like you know, some of the smaller labels I did work with, you know, the work the all of the material would go back to them and they would, they would be in an office. Maybe they had a floor on a high rise or something, but they would have a, yeah, almost like a utility closet as a, as a storeroom for all that stuff, you know, and those are the ones I think that, you know, once that location was moved out, they probably just, you know, yeah. got rid of some of that stuff. Dread to think. The original format, and uh, you know, in the 525, uh, lines of resolution format that was four by three so everything was almost square you know it's like the traditional older academy format yeah and then 16 by nine is you know that's sort of the more theatrical long yeah so the you know it's the four by three the the that five two five resolution of the from the 90s you know that's what they would have to blow up to get that a lot of times you'll see videos where they looks it looks the image looks stretched yeah. because they'll take that and they'll just stretch it instead of blowing it up, mm -hmm. and that's even worse than the blowing it up. You know, it's it's really funny. 
thank you so much for taking the time. Um, it's been really amazing to talk to you and, and relive what it was like to, to be on the set that day and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's great. I mean, hey, big props on doing this too. I think it's, uh, it's a cool idea, you know. It really is, really is. Very cool. Thank you so much. All right, Simon. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Thank you. This was great. Great fun. Bye. Bye. Again, a huge thanks to Mark Gerard for taking his time and being so willing and encouraging of the project as a whole and to be able to impart his memories of the creation of the Forgiven Not Forgotten music video. In the episode, Mark mentioned the production booklet with images of the set. A link to these images can be found in the show notes. Again, I would encourage you to please rate and review the podcast on the platform you're listening on. It really does help spread the awareness of the show to others and grow the platform so that more fans can hear these amazing stories from the creators themselves. Please do also subscribe if you are listening back on YouTube. The response to putting the episodes up on YouTube has been really incredible. And I'd like to take a few moments to again reach out for feedback. What would you like to see as a Cause fan on Causecast? This is obviously made by a fan for the fans to celebrate the music of the band. And I would obviously love the support and help of others to develop the show into something that the fan base would really love. Be it a news section or guest speakers that are fans to tell of fan stories. I'd love to hear from you if you'd want to be on the show or if you have anything to share or advise or if you just have advice on what works well on other podcasts or shows you listen to that you also appreciate, please do feel free to get in touch. The easiest way would probably be through the website, causecast.com, where you'll see a series of links to all the social media that Causecast is active on. Thank you so much in advance. Until next time, you've been listening to Causecast. Causecast.